Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from The Whistler Agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. The Federal Reserve has been keeping an eye on the economy and employment. Your podcast host, Tim Whistler, is here with me, Patrice Sakora, And Tim, talk to me about the Fed's latest decision. Well, Patrice, we just learned here recently that they've pretty much came out of the current meeting and have decided to do nothing for the time being. However, in looking at some previous reports, they have shared information uh, that we in the industry can be, you know, kind of deem this as a warning shot as to what we should be on the lookout for 2022. You know, citing an article from Forbes that came out right at the beginning of the year, the Fed is rapidly reducing the amount of funds that has been used for the quantitative easing program. Mm-hmm. They're also talking about increasing the federal funds rate, perhaps up to three times this year at some point down the road. So for my listeners who are already in who are, or who are already you know, closely approaching retirement, just kind of a, I wanted to share a few thoughts as, as to how we should plan for what may, coming, may be coming here this, this new year. Because you know? mm-hmm. you know, as, we've, as we've talked before, you know, as we transition into, into the retirement, we call this the distribution phase of we, we need to understand that the transition is not just a physical change. There has to be a transition plan that is more than just you now trying to figure out how you're going to fill 40 hours a week, right? I, I know spouses <laughs> always have to, uh, some suggestions to help, right? <laughs> I get that all the time. In, in fact, I just met with a couple earlier this week where this lady has been in her job for 48 years. Her last day is this coming Friday. You know, here we are recording oh on a Wednesday and the last day is right. And she started tearing up just thinking about it. She goes, I've loved my job. I don't really want to leave, but I had such a, a tremendous pension offering. I, it really didn't really make sense financially to leave. And and, uh, <laughs> and the husband's like, well, we can go fishing. We can go hunting. And she's, <laughs> <laughs> so it was great. Upside I mean, the head. That's right. Exactly right. She's like, I'm not ready for that yet. But, you know, so, you know, again, so we're in the distribution phase, you know, phase of life, but, you know, where the financial industry, in my opinion, has failed miserably to properly educate retirees on how to properly plan for this transition. You know, there's, in addition to that, there's, there's far too many retirees who do not understand the importance of seeking the advice from the specialist who is experienced and skilled at helping a retiree successfully navigate this new phase of life. So, you know, we, we really kind of hope to retire one time in our life. True. So the question I pose is, can you really afford to make any mistakes? Can you afford not to know all of the challenges that you will face in retirement? So, you know, in light of the Fed's activities, there were, there were three specific areas that I think we need to put uh, in focus here in, in this coming year. I want to talk about market volatility, inflation, and taxes. Well, market volatility, we have certainly seen that <laughs> in the last what, couple of weeks. We yes. had, well, One day, we were down more than 1,000 points on the blue chips, and yet they closed mm-hmm. in positive territory. Yep. Now, granted, we have seen this before, and it's not terribly, it's not, it's not brandy-dandy new, but it doesn't do much for the heartbeat or the stomach. So what, what triggered this volatility? You know, it's for far too long, it's been held up. I think we did a podcast episode on this not too long ago. We talked about the sugar rush, mm-hmm. you know, where, where something is, is artificial 
And what is the result eventually? Well, eventually there's going to be a, a crash, a sugar crash, right? It's really truly being held up by just a couple of different stocks, and, and which is very dangerous. And um, you know, again, it's it, this is where again that transition for a retiree is so important that we that we glean some education and understanding of of challenges. This is one of the major challenges: market volatility. It's it's yeah. going to be a part of our life. We know that. You know, it, like a, sometimes I joke with with prospects at the first conversation by asking them to say, "Okay, if if you can answer yes." To either one of these two questions, I'm not your guy. Number one is, can you tell me the day you're going to pass away? Well, no. Number two, can you tell me the day the stock market's going to crash? Well, no. Perfect. Then I can be your guy, right? <laughs> because, Let's narrow you know, the field. That's right. And narrow the field right now. Because if we knew those answers, would we really need a plan? Not really. We would not have to. But you know, one of our most valuable, valuable assets, it's easy for me to say, you know, is, is time. And, you know, it's like, for example, let me take you back a few years where, you know, we're, when we are in the accumulation phase and the market drops by 30% and you're in your thirties, what do you still have on your side to make up the losses? You still have time, right? Right. In fact, it's at that time, it's actually wise to take advantage of the market. What I call quote unquote, being on sale, mm-hmm. you know, pump some more funds into your account because when the market recovers, what's that going to do to your account value at that time? It'll grow. Exactly. But just to your point, you said just a couple of seconds ago, if you're in your mid 60s, early 70s, and the market drops 30%, can we really stomach that? Can we really afford that type of loss? Because it's going to impact you much differently today than it did when you're in your 30s. Right. You know, number one, we don't have as much time to recover from such a loss. And number two, we may not have the extra funds available to invest in an attempt to build more wealth to your portfolio. So, really, what should we do? So I want to ask or answer this question by posing a question, right? So this is where people should write this down. Write this question down if you're listening in and you're thinking about where we're at right now and what your thoughts are on the market. The question you should write down is this. Does it make more sense to chase yields or to eliminate volatility? So Let's be fair to both sides of that question. So why should we chase yields? What have we been doing for decades while we were accumulating our wealth? The accumulation phase, mm-hmm. right? The ROI during that phase was what? Return on investment. You know, and who is always providing the advice for you to chase yields? Wealth managers. That's their job. That's what they know. They're saying, hey, if you want, if you want to build some wealth, Here's some stocks, here's some mutual funds, you know, here's some real estate, whatever the case may be, they are truly focused in on return on investment. Their job is to help people successfully address the ROI during that phase of life. You know, we also may have had the thought where, you know, hey, we need to chase yields because what do we need? We need our account value to do what? We need it to grow, mm-hmm. right? We, we can't just retire, liquidate our assets that are earmarked for retirement and then just bury them, you know, under the mattress or bury them in the backyard, right? We, we, we need that money to grow. So, and again, the main reason why so many people focus on chasing the yields is because of the main fear that most people have, the fear about living their money. Right. Just like I said before, if we knew exactly how long we were going to live, we could bounce that last check to the, under, to the undertaker. <laughs> Right? What a way to go out, right? You've exhausted every dime you wanted to spend, but we don't know that. You know, and again, if we knew the actual trends of the market, if we knew 
couple of days ago when that market was going to drop by a thousand points, be yet recover, what would we have done? We'd have bought it on the upswing, but, but we don't know that. But you know, because of those two unknowns, they require us to plan accordingly because those two occurrences can have major impacts on our assets that are earmarked for retirement. So for example, you know, if, if somebody is truly of the opinion that chasing yields is in their best interest, I'm going to recommend them spending a few minutes to listen to the episode where Patrice, you and I talked about the sequence of returns risk in episode 27. Yes, yes, yes. Because again, chasing yields becomes extremely dangerous when what element is now involved in our our lives withdraws. Mm -hmm. So again, rather than focusing on chasing yields, does it make more sense to eliminate volatility? Well, okay, Tim, that's great. Well, how do I do that? You know, the market's bouncing all over the place and CD rates are still at historical levels. So what's the answer? Again, I'm going to refer those folks back to another episode. Number two, zero is the hero. That was a good one. That was a good one. (laughs) And you've hit on that again and again, because it is such an important point. You know, it it really is. When when we're living in a time where the, the stock market now resembles a roller coaster, and it's not really much from year to year. It's almost daily now. I mean, it's, in, yes. it's inside of a day. It's just like you said, it was down a thousand points and ended up in the positive, you know, green. Then the next day, same thing. It didn't go down quite as far. I think it went down 700 and some points, but then it finished. I mean, it is just crazy wild right now. So, so how do we do that? Well, again, there, there are places for that. I think the time to eliminate volatility is no more important than it ever than it is when we, whenever we're taking income from our assets that are earmarked for retirement. Absolutely. All right, now we've got another thing that is starting to loom big, and that's inflation. Yep. Especially for someone who is retired. Yep, it, it, exactly, Patrice. And, and it, this is one of the most dangerous challenges that retirees will face. I don't really try to prioritize any of the challenges, but man, they're all important. But this one here, you know, inflation really is a reduction of your purchasing power. Mm-hmm. You know, so let's just go back to you know economics 101. How is inflation defined? Well, it's a measure of the rate of what they call rising prices of goods and services in an economy. All right. So then the second question is: well, why do prices increase? The law of demand and supply. Okay. So for example, when inventories are low and the demand is high, what are prices going to do? They're going to increase. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for example, you take your family out for pizza. When the cost of the ingredients to make that pizza go up, when the cost of the gasoline for the delivery truck to deliver said ingredients goes up, when the cost of paying the people who are going to make the pizza for you go up, what are menu prices going to do? Go up. <laughs> exactly, right? That's inflation. You know, and, and when a country who was once oil independent has a major pipeline shut down, that ripple effect is it reduces our ability as a country to export a product that could be sold to generate revenue. And then it also creates higher gas prices at the pump, you know, we're now because now we're buying oil from some other source. So it, it truly is incredibly frustrating to see where we are right now. But unfortunately, we really can't compound the problem by burying our heads, you know, heads in the sand and hope it goes away. So we really have to take some steps. So I, I thought of um, a couple of different ways we can do that. But before we do that, I just thought of something I want to share with people. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but there is a very good, I think, formula, a very simple formula called the rule of 72. Yes. 
We've used it in the past to talk about, okay, how much or how quickly will my funds grow in value? That's on people's minds a lot. Okay, if I've got $100,000 and if it can average 6%, how long is it going to take for it to get to 200000 for example? Just by a simple equation of taking 72 and dividing the interest rate, which in this example is 6, 6 goes into 72 12 times, right? So basically, $100,000 account will double, double to about 200000 roughly in about 12 years if it averages 6%. Let's talk about inflation. <laughs> you know, historical inflation rates have usually hovered around 3%-ish. So three, again, using the rule of 72, three goes into 72 24 times, which basically means if that grocery cart of food and everything else you're buying is $100, well, in 24 years, it's going to be $200 at 3%. <laughs> Well, we're not really at 3% right now, I don't think. No, we are not. We are not. <laughs> We've seen gas prices double in a year or thereabout. Um, so it's here. I mean, and it's very frustrating. So again, how do we combat it? Well, just a couple of simple ideas here to share. Okay. Number one, don't lose principle. <laughs> Plain and simple. You know, we just discussed the importance of mitigating volatility from the assets that will be used to create income for your lifestyle and retirement. So number one, we've got to protect principal. Okay. Number two, create a surplus of funds. Now, again, this may seem so elementary, but I just, I bring this up because I just see it far too often. I think it's an important thing for us to talk about because these funds may be a supplement to your stream or streams of fixed income, right? We hear that phrase a lot. I live on a fixed income. Mm -hmm. One of the most popular phrases that's shared by retirees. And, and for most people, it is absolutely true. You know, in, in the context of studies from the advanced edu course, education courses that I take, you know, the different designations that I've already earned and a couple more I'm, that I'm working towards, you can imagine Social Security is a, is a very popular topic of conversation. That's why electing when to turn on Social Security benefits is, is a decision that should not be taken lightly. You know, just because your brother-in-law turned his on at 62 doesn't mean you should, okay? Right. <laughs> we right. we want to go a little bit further into that. And, and again, the reason why this decision is so important is because of the role that it serves as the major source of income for many retirees. In fact, studies have shown that one half of married couples and nearly three quarters of singles receive more than 50% of their income from Social Security. That amazes me. It always amazes me. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah. It is truly incredible. So again, it, it, you know, as we know, Social Security, the administration can provide cost of living increases, which they just recently did. I think it was recently, what, nearly 6%? Uh, yes. Something like yes. that? 5.9, I believe. Yeah. 5.9. And then what they do a couple of days later? 14% increase in <laughs> <to> Part B. <laughs> hey, ha happy new year. That's it. <laughs> You know, so again, so, you know, and, and if you look at pensions, you know, pensions are slowly becoming a thing of the past, but still many people today have a source of a pension from a, a company they worked with. But unfortunately, you know, those pensions are fixed. They don't have some type of inflationary hedge, you know, by giving an increase to the benefit one year, the next. So again, if, if we have a surplus of some funds, or if we have the ability to, we want to create that. And how do we do that? Well, here's the third simple rule. Watch your budget. 
Now, again, I know right here, people are going to get angry with me because (laughs) I completely realize that most people view a financial budget with about the same enthusiasm and having to, as having to watch what they eat. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And get it. You know, they, they know they should do it, but where's the fun in that. Right. But again, you know, coming back full circle in, in times of inflation, like we're experiencing right now, you know, we truly may have to tighten up the spending a bit, you know, so if there's an area or two where we can pull back that budget will kind of give us an idea of, of where we can do that. So again, just maybe a couple of different nuggets of information to help hopefully offset the inflation as we hope that things get kind of back to somewhat of a normal you know, rate here sooner than later. Now, talking about the surplus, Tim, is this something that you would hope somebody has done over their lifetime? Or can you still do this when you're getting ready to retire? Yes. I, I mean, I think it's so important. And that's why I, I really, really harp on the budget. I mean, it, this is something that, and if my clients are listening, they're shaking their head, head right now, up and down. They, yep, he is. <laughs> <laughs> they know. Be, because when I provide that analysis where we take an inventory of your assets, we take an inventory of your income, amounts, and sources, and then we take an inventory of expenses. If we're going to have an income plan that needs to, to last, what? 15, 20, maybe 25 years. I mean, I talked to a couple this morning um, down in Texas. She is 70. Her mom's 94. She still sees her mom a couple times a week. So I said, okay, right there, you've got longevity in your family. You're potentially looking at 24, 25 years for you in retirement. So how, how are we going to be able to make sure that we've got income for that? Well, we need, we need to budget. doesn't mean we can't go spend money. It just simply gives us what? A source of where we are spending our money. So if that if that's the case, you know, for example, if if currently right now we're getting ready to step into retirement, and about the time we're going to retire, we're going to pay us something, some, you know, maybe we're going to pay something off. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're going to pay the mortgage off. Okay, if you've been budgeting for a thousand dollar a month budget, you know, or budgeting for a thousand dollar a month mortgage, and now you're going to retire, do we have the ability to budget for some savings? From that, I mean, how how would we know that? Well, we got to run we got to run an analysis on that. We got to look at our expenditures, because I think I, I truly, to your point, Patrice, I think it's so important as we're getting close to retirement. If we're not already building a surplus of cash, and I don't mean tens of and hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash, that's too much cash, right? It's, it's, those those funds are underperforming; they need to be put somewhere else, right? But we truly need to have some. I think another bucket of funds available to us to offset times like this when our purchasing power is reduced by inflation like we haven't seen in, what, 40 years? Yeah. So I, I think it's very, very important. But then you have to be careful. As you say, you've got that budget. You're, you're trying to save additional dollars, but you do want to spend a little bit. How much do you spend? You've got to have that. Right. Where are things going? Yep. You know, as, as we talk through this, I always feel like sometimes all I'm doing is being the bearer of bad news, and I don't want to do that. So, so on the flip side of that, as we talk about the budget, when I send that link for people to fill out, you know, they, they fill this out on their own. I'm not, I'm not hovering over them. They know what they're spending per month on utilities and Medicare and prescriptions and, and everything else. Mm-hmm. When I get that back, it's always a fun conversation. So like, you know, like this morning, I'm, I'm talking, we'll call them Bob and Mary. I, if I get the expense plan, you know, the expense template back from them, I look at the, I look at the line items and in having a conversation with them, I know that travel is kind of one of the things they want to do in retirement. Right. But if I don't see a travel line item on that, I'm going to call them out. <laughs> oh, 
eight. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay, Bob and Mary, you want to travel. You're showing me how much you're spending for your utilities and your food and your prescriptions, but how much are you going to spend for your travel? Where's that at? Let's budget for that. Mm-hmm. Right. We want to have fun with that because again, you know, when we retire, there's, there's basically why I look at, there's three different activities or levels of activities. When we retire, there are the go-go years, there are the slow go years, <laughs> and then there are the no-go years. <laughs> true. true. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a matter of, okay, when we retire and we, we've got like free time on our hands and, and we feel like we've been, you know, it's, it's like the last day of school, right? When we're released for summer <laughs> and people just go sprinting out of the doors, right? <laughs> That's right. They're ready to go. So let's budget for that. So you know, let's budget for those fun times, but at the same time, let's maybe create a little bit of a hedge for times when maybe they're not so much fun and, and maybe, you know, some things are taken out of our control, like purchasing power. How far can our dollar go at the grocery store, you know, at the, at the pharmacy, at the restaurant, whatever the case may be. And then I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings here, but something else that will impact our financial wellness, taxes. And yep. we know there's been a lot of talk in Washington about taxes. Yep. Yes, indeed. And it's, it's that dreaded word. And again, I'm going to, Share the the simple disclosure right now. I am not a tax expert, nor do I play one on TV. Okay, <laughs> however, <laughs> or in when, a podcast, or in a podcast, exactly right. Even even in my in my my utopia of a world right now, behind a microphone, I do not play a tax expert. I don't want to be a tax expert. But you know, when you look at the current low historical income tax rates that we have today, best case scenario, they're going to expire after 2025. And I say best case because I'm thinking they're probably going to adjust at some point between now and 2025. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here's something again, that most people aren't aware of because number one, I'm kind of a numbers guy. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to this stuff. So why would people seek this information out? But when we look at one particular ratio called the debt to GDP ratio, the gross domestic product ratio. Okay. If you look at the previous all-time highs, and anybody, anybody's listening that's curious, we've got a fantastic single sheet that was put together that shows this in, in, in a visual format, which again, I think we're all visual learners. The previous all-time high of this ratio was right at the end of World War II. Okay, We came out of the World War. We had, you know, nobody's hardly working because everybody's fighting. The ladies are in the factories, they're building things, right? Well, we didn't really have an industry going on. We were just trying to survive the war. So obviously our debt went up pretty quickly. Most people don't realize though, at that time, the highest tax bracket was 94%. Wow. Now, how would that news twirl your beanie, right? For every hundred- Spinning, honey, it's spinning. (laughs) That's right, right? For every hundred dollars you earn, you get to keep six? (laughs) Uh, No thanks. Unfortunately, the current all-time high of this debt to GDP ratio is today. Right now, that, on my that's com- not good. That's not, not good. It's not. You know, right now I'm looking at a website that, again, if if you're if you're driving, don't look this up by all means until you're parked safely on the side of the road. In fact, wait till you get home. Okay, but if you go to usdebtclock.org, you'll see that our national debt is quickly approaching thirty trillion, and the highest tax bracket we have right now is thirty five. Th- I'm sorry, thirty seven percent. So we didn't have that type of debt at World War II, and the highest tax bracket was 94%. Right now, we have $30 trillion in debt. The highest tax bracket is 37. What do we think are go- is going to happen to tax rates? Well, we've got people in Washington. They're going to solve this, right? You bet they will. 
<laughs> and again, they're they're going to have to. They they keep spending it like they have it, like they have it. So they're gonna they're gonna try to generate revenue from somewhere. And because again, sixty one percent of Americans don't pay federal income taxes. So where's it going to come from? If you're sick in your if you're in your sixties, okay, and you're nearing or in retirement, and you've got traditional IRA accounts and four hundred one k accounts, or four fifty sevens or four fifty you know four hundred three bs, whatever the case may be, anything that's tax deferred. I implore you to give serious consideration to the decision as to waiting until 72 to begin those distributions, those RMDs. Mm-hmm. Because again, we don't have to peel the back of the layers today. We're going to bring that up on a future episode. And Patrice, you and I have talked you know, many times about this. And I just need to put that together and we need to talk about this in greater detail. But for today, we'll kind of just hit the surface. Mm-hmm. But again, as we've talked before, those funds are going to be taxed every single time you make a withdrawal. And because they are taxed at ordinary income tax rates, the amount of the withdrawal can certainly impact how much your social security benefits are taxed, right? We see the snowball effect, right? right? So how do we combat this? Well, again, when we put together an analysis, not only are we looking at the assets, the expenses, and the longevity, we're also peeling back that layer, not to look at taxes under the micro lens. Well, what are my taxes this year? We're going to look at taxes on the macro view, the big picture, right? Because then when we provide the analysis, does it maybe behoove us to consider a Roth IRA conversion? Because when you execute a Roth conversion, you're going to pay the taxes at today's tax rates. And in your current tax bracket. Well, it could, it depends upon again, if where we're at, like, like say, for example, if our current tax bracket is, let's say we're at, you know, 22%, just using Mm -hmm. a kind of a higher number there. But maybe we're at kind of the low end of the 22%. And maybe we have a half a million dollars off in a 401k or an IRA or whatever the case may be. Does it make sense for us to start pulling some funds out of that tax deferred account, paying the taxes on it, and then transition those funds into a tax-free account like a Roth? So, so yes, to your point, Patrice, it may bump us into higher tax bracket. I mean, I've had people do that. They're like, you know what? We're going to run the numbers. I'm going to run this past my CPA, which I would encourage us to do. Always get that second set of eyes from the tax right. expert. But then it's if it's okay to pay the taxes today, because we know what the tax rates are today, we might be money ahead down the road because number one, longevity. Number two, increased tax rate, increase, increased tax rates. Right. Because if we go through that conversion, I think there's actually three significant benefits to doing so. And again, we'll hit on these again, so I don't want to be redundant, but you know, number one, you eliminate taxation on the future growth of the converted assets. Good point. Very good point. If, if we put it somewhere and we want it to grow, right? And we want it to grow safely, it's going to be worth more. Therefore, our tax rates are going to be higher. Number two, by doing it now, you're going to reduce the RMDs you will owe at 72. And number three, you clearly reduce the amount of the funds that will be taxable during your retirement years. And I actually kind of throw in a bonus benefit. Now, this doesn't really benefit us per se here, but the bonus benefit is that you could provide more tax-free legacy dollars to your family after your passing. You know, so I I kind of joke with people, you know, so unless you have someone at the IRS that you love more than your family, (laughs) (laughs) do you really want to keep the IRS in the picture any longer than it's necessary? (laughs) True, true. Well, that is definitely something to to think about. Long range, yeah. How much do you love your kids? Exactly. 
because again, one of the things that the IRS did with the most recent, you know, um, law change is that they changed, they, they bumped back the RMDH from 70 and a half to 72. But on the other half of that equation, what they also did was they changed how tax deferred monies are inherited and yes. what that means for the inheritance. So again, we'll, we'll dive into those details here at a, at a future episode where we talk about taxes. How do we mitigate taxes? The benefits of, I think, you know, the importance of at least looking at it, you know, and, yeah. and considering a Roth conversion to create those tax-free dollars in the future retirement years. All some really great thoughts, Tim, and you're right. We need podcasts to go in-depth on, on each of these topics here. So how can people reach you right now? They may have questions churning in their minds. Sure, absolutely. There's a couple different ways they can reach me. Um, number one is by phone. My office phone is area code 309-291-0491. And then my email address is tim at thewhistleragency.com. All right. So as you've been listening, one thing is for sure that nothing stays the same. Follow this podcast for Tim's insights into the changes that are happening all around us and that we will have to deal with. And of course, share the podcast with others you care about. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Whistler Agency. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor, tax professional, or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment or tax planning. This podcast is designed to provide general information on the subjects covered. Pursuant to IRS Circular 230, it is not intended to provide specific legal or tax advice and cannot be used to avoid penalties or to promote, market, or recommend any tax plan or arrangement. For insurance products discussed, guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company.